there's someone in here today that is burdened about what they do not know. They're anxious about something that is to come. And though they smile, they're burdened. Deep down in the pit of who they are, they're worried about the unknown. There's someone else here who has been here for a while, respected, who knows the Lord. But is it a pivotal point in the journey? What lies before them is a decision. This way or this way. One leads to life and blessing. The other leads to anguish. Yet the road that's right is a hill to climb. And the easy path is the greatest temptation. And yet there is still others in this room, in this place, in this hour who are as lost, who is as lost as anyone could ever imagine. Of course, when you look at them, they look fine. And the appearance is deceiving. But when you look beyond the mask, into the depths of the soul, it's empty. It's shallow. And what they yearn and they long for more than anything else is to have peace here. Solution to all these things and the variety of all others that we face is in Him. Your worries, our fears, our troubles, our trials, our chaos, our sin. God's got it. He can handle it. He has already finalized the issue. And in a couple weeks, in a month, we will celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Christ. And in that resurrection, there is power and hope for all of us who today find ourselves a little subpar. I'm going to do something today that I don't normally do in this rare occasion. Um, We're going to change gears. We're going to be in John chapter 1, and we'll go as long as we need to go. John chapter 1, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there. If not, uh, there should be one close to you in a pew. If not, beside you, John chapter 1. Hear this word from the Lord. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all people. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out saying, This is He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. Out of His fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. Let's pray. God, as we look at a very familiar passage... One that many of us have looked over and over and over and over again. And as so often the case, when we're so used and accustomed to reading and seeing, sometimes we miss the essential truth that lies in your word. God, be with those who are going through some things today. And Lord, while I don't know the intricate details of situations, I do discern great need. And I discern a great need for you in our lives and in our midst. God, would you find us faithful, truthful, and honest, not only with ourselves, but most importantly, with you. As we look into your word together, may we find insights for living for this journey. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you look around your life, and it seems to be good, does that mean... It's good. Because the Lord is not really interested in what seems to be. He's interested in what is. From the very beginning of the Bible, God discloses himself to the Israelites all through the Old Testament up into the New to let us know that he is. In fact, his name means I am that I am. That's what the Lord means when we look back at the Old Testament. Every time the Lord's name is used, 
what it means is I am that I am. He is not a God that should have been. He's not a God that was. He's not a God that will be. He's always in the present time. He is always in our presence. He's always in our present circumstance. I am that I am. Therefore, you and I are never in the past to Him. We are never in the future to Him. We are with Him in the journey, in the here and now. Because all that we have is now. We're not promised a future. And there is absolutely nothing that we can do about the past. God doesn't want us to focus on the past. He doesn't want us to focus on the future. He wants us to focus in the here and the now because He is that He is. I am that I am. And as you look around the things that may seem to be okay, our calling before God is not to seem like something that's real. It's not to seem authentic. It's not to seem like we are Christians. It is to be. To be a light in the midst of darkness. To be set in the righteousness of God. To be a part of what He's called us to be. Rather than just seeming or looking or having an affinity towards or talking like or offering sound bites. God has not called us to be righteous politicians. God has called us to be authentic witnesses of the truth. God has called us to be a testimony of the light that has not been overcome by darkness, but shines in the midst of the darkness. To take on what Christ inaugurated through God becoming flesh, and to testify just like John a testimony of the truth that's come into the world, the light that's come into the world, a light that is supposed to penetrate all the darkness. I want you to think a minute about darkness. Because the reality is that sometimes we are so used to and accustomed to being in the dark that when the light shines, we are blind to truth and we are blind to righteousness. If you want a, a tangible illustration of that, go home this afternoon, go into a closet or go into a bathroom, shut the door, rid yourself of all light for five minutes in complete darkness, and then walk out into the light. It takes some adjusting to get used to what you're seeing because your eyes have become accustomed to the darkness. And in our day and time, there is darkness all around us and we don't even recognize it for what it is. Let's think a moment about what we watch on television. There is very little good anymore on television. In fact, some of you, uh, I've talked with, with you about this in private conversations. There's, there's some new series on TV this year. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I like new series. I like cop shows. I like, uh, you know, adventure, action, whatnot. But we are naive to assume that what prime time glorifies in is going to be something that we should draw nourishment off of. We are naive to assume 
that there will not be subtle messages, subtle innuendos, subtle complications, and darkness in the midst of perhaps a wholesome story. We have become very accustomed to having darkness and light intertwined. That produces shadows. And many of us will even celebrate the fact that we live in the shadows and we thank God for the light. But you'll find nothing in Scripture that applauds shadows. You'll find nothing in Scripture that applauds dim light. What you will find in Scripture is a complete and total embrace of the light that shines in the darkness. And the purpose of light is never to coexist with darkness. You can look around, uh, you don't have to travel far. Uh, many of them, uh, college students, graduate students, and I mean, we're talking about educated people, you'll see the little bumper sticker, coexist. And it's written out to involve every symbol of every major religion and ideology so that it kind of gives this message, let's just have peace to all creatures. Let's just have peace to everybody. Let's just all get along. Let's just hodgepodge and throw it all together. And you know, we just, let's just live in harmony. God has not called us to coexist with darkness. God has called us to be the light in the midst of the darkness. Listen, not to push the darkness away, but to completely obliterate darkness's existence. That's the calling of God in our lives. The role of the church is not to shine a light and make the darkness move. The role of the church is to corner darkness and illuminate darkness to the eternal light of Christ so that they are left with no other opportunity but to surrender to the light and wholeness and hope of God. You and I Play with darkness like a child that's fascinated with the fireplace plays with fire. We like the warmth of the light. We want to be close to the flame. We want to play and dabble in the fire. And when we get burned, we're upset and angry and hurt. God has called us not to play with fire. Not to play with the light, not to play in the darkness, but to embrace His Son, Jesus Christ. Because He tells us from the very beginning, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, that's all that existed, was the Word. And the Word was with God from the very beginning. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning... Through Him all things were made. So if you look at your life and you look at the blessings that you have received, whether or not you acknowledge Him, you need to understand, we must understand that everything that exists that we are blessed through and by has emanated, has come from the sovereign Son of God. The person is revealed in Jesus Christ. Because what God has done in humankind is he has left his throne and descended 
into our midst. The Bible goes so far to say that he has moved into our neighborhood. He's right down the street. If you and I are living like there is no God, we better be right. Because there is a time coming in the future. No one knows when it is. When you and I are given a given account of the light and the darkness that has enveloped who we are. The light's purpose is to penetrate every fiber of our being. The Bible says nothing that was made has been made without him. And then John, the gospel goes on to say that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And we are told that he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. God's ultimate purpose, if you need to hear this, God's ultimate purpose for humanity is that every single person on the face of the planet might be saved through him. And I'll even go a step further. Therefore, he has not predestined some for glory and predestined some to damnation. God's purposes are to bring everyone into the saving knowledge of Christ, period. That's why we have hope. That's why we can pursue the Lord and understand that we don't have to come. Listen, we don't come from the light. The light is sometimes completely foreign to our existence because we are used to the mired up darkness of our lives. And there's some in this very room who have bought into the lie that the light is too far to reach where they are. There was a man whose name was John, and he was not the light, but he came to talk about it, to give it wings, to help it flourish, to help the truth of God be pursued and go out amongst the darkness in the world. And then it goes on to say the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus, the Logos, the word that has become flesh that was coming into the world, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, though it may have, if we go back to Genesis, his imprint upon the creation, the world did not recognize him. And the Bible says he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who do or did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave us the right to become children of God. And then it goes on to say, and I love this, it says, not children born out of natural descent. In other words, you don't naturally, you're not naturally God's child. It's not just because we've been birthed and we have a birth certificate that we are God's child. No. No. Not out of natural descent, 
nor are we his children because of, look at this, human decision. Oh, wow. Human decision. I mean, have we not spoken for decades about the decision that we make to trust in Christ? What's going on here? This is what the Bible, this is what the Bible teaches. Accepting God and His truth is so far above our ability to make a decision. It's not based on our decision to pursue Him. But the Bible says, but born of God. Means... That God is in the midst of our circumstances, working out and working in our circumstances, so that we might, as a result of what He is doing, He will transform our lives. That's the reason that why don't we talk about accepting Christ and accepting Him into our life? Because we have the free will to choose either to embrace darkness or choose to embrace light. We have the power of decision to make those choices. What we don't get to choose is, am I a child of God or I'm not? Nothing that we do makes that happen. It's all about what He's done through the person of Jesus Christ. You say, well, you're speaking from both ends. I am. And what I want you to know is, you're never going to be able in direct logical sequence to come up with how much of this is God and how much of this is us. The point is, God moves, God's light shines, we're overwhelmed, we're overcome, He's moved into our neighborhood, and what are we going to do about it? We are saved not by our own decision to trust in Christ. We are saved not because someone shared Christ with us. We are saved because God in His ultimate purpose desires all people to come to Him. Now, that brings us to a reality. And the reality is that when we look at our journey, when we look of where we are, not where we've been, we've spent enough time talking about our past. Many of us have been defined so many times by our past. Be done with the past. Out of here, bloop, gone. Off the radar screen. Just the journey in the here and now and the present. Because he says, I am. He's interested in the present. When we look at our journey and this very mark on these very steps where we are in our spiritual walk, As we look ahead, currently, where we are stationed, where we are positioned, what are we facing? Are we facing the light? Are we facing the darkness? And not that the congregation is the light and the choir is the darkness. What's our position? You know, well, it's kind of hazy. Uh-huh. If it's hazy... It's because we bonded the lie that we need to coexist with both of these. You, listen, you and I don't get to play with fire without getting burned. You and I don't get to discern light in darkness. Let me put it in a tangible cliche. My father told me when we discussed the birds and the bees many eons ago, he said... It's just some advice that I want to give you. 
and you can take it for what it's worth. And you know, that's just, is that not awkward when your parents want to talk to you about sex? That's awkward. Like, man, I don't want to talk to you about this. Is it awkward? This means yes. Is it awkward? Yes, it's awkward. We don't even like learning about sex in church. It's awkward. And he says, you know, my advice to you is this. What is the purpose of a kitchen? To make a meal. He said, exactly. So what's the purpose of an oven? I said, to cook a meal. He said, my advice to you is, you don't turn on the oven unless you're planning to cook. And then he also tells me, you don't go into the kitchen unless you're planning to cook or eat. I think I understand. So often in our lives and our decisions, we play with that game. And it's not just in sex. I just mentioned that because men think about that every 31 seconds. Women think about it every 72 seconds. So they tell me. But we play games with God. We play games with our phones, with Instagram, with Facebook, although Facebook's kind of out. Play games with all this technology. We'll take pictures of people and tweak it and do this and do that and then send it and it's a big joke. We will torment people. We will bully people. We'll do all kinds of things. See, the problem, let's see, the thing is, the technology in and itself is not evil. It's what we do with it. The motives behind what we do. And you see, I think a lot of us, what we hear when we look at the gospel, what we hear is that, well, I need to be a follower of Jesus, and so at the end of my life, you know, God's just going to kind of shake, shake it up, and as he examines my life, hopefully the good is going to outweigh the bad. There's going to be this balance. And we've kind of, this is the way we live our lives. And hopefully the good's going to outweigh the bad. And we want to make sure, listen, we want to make sure that in the end, when, it, you know, when we get to be in our 50s and 60s, because that's old, in our 50s and 60s, that, yeah, exactly. And we get in our 50s and 60s that we are committed and that we are, you know, we're solemnly committed and we get right with the Lord and we just begin to flourish with Him. But until we're 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or however long it is, and you see, it, it, it expands every decade as we get a decade older, eventually we're going to be serious. As if our lives are measured and the scales are tipped by how good or how bad we've been. Listen, you can be 99% good in the end and 1% evil. And though that looks really good, you and I, we can go straight to hell. I want you to hear that. I want you to think about that. You can be 99.99999 bar over the top 
endpoint, zero, 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 one bar. Evil. And you and I will go straight to hell. Because guess what? It's not about the balance that we create. It's about the sovereign act of God in the person of Jesus Christ who is mighty to save. Listen to the implications of that. That's why the Bible says no one is righteous. No, not one. Because when you and I stand on our merit, we will dig a straight path to hell, no matter how good we are. But it's based on, and look at this scripture. Look at this scripture. Verse 14. It's not based on us. The word of God became the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of what? Grace. Not judgment. We're pretty good at judging ourselves and judging others. No. This Son of God who's moved into our midst is full of grace. Why? Because we so desperately need it. Where is your life? Where is your journey? Are you really, truly committed to Christ? Is His light growing in your journey and in your midst? Not just to push away evil or push away darkness, but to be done with it. Listen. No amount of good deeds, no amount of baptism, no amount of prayer, no amount of scripture memorization, no amount of giving, no amount of smiles or encouragement or serving God or going into ministry or anything else is going to save you or make you better. Because our eternity is not based on what we perceive the economics of God to be. Our eternity is based on the Lordship of Christ who is full of grace and truth and it has impacted, it has intersected, it has obliterated our plans, it has obliterated our will so that His will has become ours. That is what saves. When Christ, when Christ comes into your life, And absolutely, radically transforms it. Not in an affinity towards Him. Not a warm fuzzy. Not because you cried in a song. Not because you cried an invitation. But because the radical hand of transforming power of God moved in. And you'll never be the same. The Word has become flesh. It's real. It's personal. It's transformative. Have you been transformed? None of this, I don't know whether I've been transformed. I think I have. You think you have? Remember, it's not about seeming to be. It's about being. 
It's not about the proximity that you are to God. It's about being fully embraced by Him. It's transformed your life, your motives, your attitudes, your behaviors, everything. Your spousal relationship, your children's relationship, the relationship that you have with one another. You see people the way God sees them. And you recognize on your best day that you need him because no amount of your brain or your mind or your vision or your intelligence or your aptitude is anything compared to his grace. Transform it. Change your life. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Hmm. We're so good at being police for the law. Ah! You messed up. You need to fix that. Ah! You said that. Oh, God's not happy with what you've done. You should have used that four-letter word when you uh, put the hammer on your thumb and hit it. Oh, you shouldn't have flipped that bird when someone passed you in traffic. Shame on you. You're not a holy person. You shouldn't have done that. Oh, you shouldn't get angry. The Lord hates anger. He despises anger. Oh, and on and on and on and on and on. We're very good policemen. We're not very good disciples. Moses brought the law. Jesus brought grace and truth. Which one of those men do you think ultimately matters more than any other? Huh. I think I'm going to put all of my eggs with Jesus. Because Moses, though he's the great lawgiver of Israel, he is not the great savior of the world and the universe. But Jesus is. We like to quote the Old Testament. There's nothing wrong with the Old Testament as long as you and I understand that the Old Testament is recorded in history to bring about the beauty of God as revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. The purpose of the Old Testament is to show that Christ is the fulfillment of what was. And remember what I said about the past. God's not focused on what was. He's focused on what is. I am that I am. So where is God in your life today? In the here and now. Is Christ shining in your life now? Not has Christ shined in your life not do you have the hope that Christ will shine in your life. Is Christ shining now? Because nothing is more important than right now. Regardless of where you've been, no matter how good or how bad, regardless of whether you have plans to be greater in future, right now, I am that I am. And as I close today, let me just say this. 
for the person out there who's playing games with God. For the person out there that thinks, eh, I've got plenty of time. For the person out there that thinks, I'll, I'll, at some point I'll get, my, I'll get my life right. Look at what the Bible says and not about what we do. It's about what he's done in Jesus Christ. Has that been made real to you? Is that real to you in this moment? Some of you are in a critical point this morning. Decisions are weighing heavily on you in this present time. Decisions that will impact you, your family, and others for decades to come. Others of you are burdened by what is unknown. And you're worried about the future because you know where you've been in the past. Focus on the here and now. The light shines in the darkness. Pay attention to the verbiage in John chapter 1. In the beginning was, was, was. And then the Bible says that he shines in the darkness, present tense, shines in the darkness, and what the darkness does not overcome it. If you're living your life and you feel and you sense that the darkness is all around you and it is overcoming you, you have misunderstood the scripture. And here's the thing, you're giving more credence to the darkness than needs to be given because the Bible says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. Quit playing games and be real before him. This morning the invitation... We're going to sing in Christ alone. Because really that's all that matters is being in the indwelling of the Most High God is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And this invitation for those of you who are right with the Lord, for those of you who know Him well, for those of you who feel the burdens of people, I want you to spend this invitation. I want you to pray fervently that God's Spirit will move in this time of invitation because God is interested in what we're doing in the here and now in this very room, in this very moment. Some of you have decisions to make. Some of you have decisions to make in regards to your spiritual vitality, your spiritual truth, and the hope of the world that's been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. This is the time in the here and now for you to be honest with God. For others of you today, First Baptist has become a place where you, you believe, you've known this is where God wants to plant you and wants you to flourish. We want to give that opportunity today. But every single person in this room needs, needs Jesus. All of us need Him. Don't continually be lost. Don't continually be deprived of a life that can be so fulfilling. A hope that will be overwhelming perspective that is so incredibly humbling because we find that when we surrender to God we are absolutely not in control and he is why because he said I am that I am he's always in the present God loves you he loves all of us he wants what's best for us he's not going to force you to accept the light he's not going to force you to accept His Son Christ. 
But he opens his arms today and he says, come. Come in the here and now, just as you are. And let my light shine in the midst of you. May my light emanate from every crevice of your being. And may you be made complete through him. As we stand and as we sing, as God has spoken and is speaking, will you be faithful in following?